0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Hello, and welcome into the 24 7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm national recruiting analyst Cooper Patagna alongside the director of scouting, Andrew Ivins. The boys are back from their hiatus. Drew back in Fort Lauderdale. Me back here in Nashville in studio and fresh off the championship how about the Michigan Wolverines big win last night 34 to 13 over UW the first national championship since 1997 27 years Drew I was 5 years old I don't know how old you were at the time but it couldn't it, it couldn't have been that much different but one little thing Drew I'm going to get right into it. it this experience for me watching that game last night was kind of full circle I was at Michigan in 2017. I was with UW in 2019, 2020. It was something to see those guys on the field last night. A couple guys still hanging around for Michigan and a lot of players still on that Washington uh, team as well. And the thing that I thought of when I was watching that game was KISS. What does that mean? Keep it simple, stupid. I mean, you go down the roster and you look at some of these guys playing in these games. A lot of people will look at the blue chip ratio and say, hey, Washington, Michigan, they really don't belong there. How about this, Drew? I look at the offensive line, four to the five starters from those two cycles. Troy Fatanu playing left tackle. We thought that guy was going to be a guard. Nate Kaleppo, we thought he was going to be a right tackle. He's playing left guard. Julius Bulow, we thought he was going to be a tackle. He's playing right guard. You go down the list, Dom Hampton, a guy making plays in the defensive backfield last night. Corner that grows into a safety, kind of in that hybrid role all over the place. And the reason I say that is the height, weight, speed philosophy right? And these guys, how do you miss? Ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to be judged by how you miss. And what I mean by that is sometimes it takes time for these guys to grow and develop and become what they are going to be physically as well. And they need that coaching. And Drew, when I watched that game last night, I saw two teams with an excellent vision for the player that the scheme was dependent on their personnel. And I saw that two teams playing really fast, a lot of miscues in, in the secondary on both sides. But Drew, it was a fun game. I thought it was anybody's game in the third quarter. And from a roster construction standpoint, I look in Michigan, five starters between offensive defense via the transfer portal, Washington, only four. It goes back to that philosophy. Hey, you're still building through the high school ranks, right? The equivalent of the NFL draft. And then you are seasoning some of that top-end talent. You think about the guys on UW, Jabbar Muhammad. You go down the list, Michael Penix, Dylan Johnson, Those guys are huge contributors that completely changed the trajectory for your team. But the backbone of your team is what you've done through the NFL draft, in this case, high school football recruiting. Drew, listen, I think there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. We saw Ole Miss, Louisville have a lot of success with dipping into the transfer portal at a high volume. But this right here was eye-opening to me, continuity at the front of it along with player development.
2: Yeah, player development. What stands out for me? Uh, I wasn't like you. I didn't have a any any hand in recruiting these players. But you watch it last night. A few different individuals stood out to me for Michigan. Colton Loveland, the tight end. I think he led the Wolverines in receiving yards. We talk about it with that tight end position. Hey, you want guys that can do a variety of different things. Go back to his recruitment. 24/7 Sports had him as a four-star, number one ranked prospect from Idaho. Two-way snaps, Cooper, 91 catches as a senior. He had a game where he had 19 uh, 19 receptions. That was a school record. Also a really good basketball player, Uh, all-state selection there. Shot 40% from behind the arc. Um, And you look at the profile. I mean, again, we say it, all right? These tight ends, we want them to do a variety of different things. I thought he came up big for Michigan. Jalen Harrell, to me, is the one where I've gone back on that evaluation. A kid out of Berkeley Prep, same school that uh, has produced a number of guys over the years, uh, Keon Keeley, Dallas Golden, who we're gonna talk a lot about in the 2025 cycle. I went out there and saw him in person um, and I wasn't blown away, but you look at him at Michigan, four years. This is his fourth year there. Led the Wolverines with four pressures. I don't think he got home with a sack. Dig it in the profile, Cooper. Dad played seven years in the NFL. So uh, it's just, it was fun to see these guys that have hung around. I think you hit it right there on the head. Only nine combined transfer starters between the two programs. These guys built build through the high school ranks And I think they're going to have to continue to do that. Yeah, a lot of experience as well. Fourth, fifth, six-year seniors, you look at those
1: guys. So the national championship as one season comes to a close – Another one starts, and that is the postseason All-American Bowl. The boys have been on the road. I mentioned Orlando, San Antonio for the Under Armour game and the All-American Bowl. We're going to get to that in a second. But just a reminder, you're watching the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. All the recruiting information that you need 24-7, 365 days out of the year. You got those two handsome fellas right there breaking it down for you Tuesday, Wednesday, 5 o'clock Eastern. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show, guys. We see you in the chat. Keep it locked here. Drew, it's that time of the year, right? We talked about the postseason, and uh, I know you are tired because I am tired. We got back on Sunday. It's been a long trip, not just for you and me, but everybody at 24-7 Sports, especially in the scouting community, been working hard over these last couple weeks. And I guess just let me phrase it this way. We're a little bit different than the NFL. We're a little bit different than college. Our timeline is different. We had signing day on what? December 20th, right? And then after that, you go into these bowl games in the first week of January. I mentioned Under Armour in Orlando, San Antonio, Antonio, the All-American Bowl. It's a great experience for us. But for the first time, Drew, it's really – uh, our first exposure to some of the best players in the country. I think we saw half of the top two, four, seven over the last three weeks. You throw in Alabama, Mississippi with the Shrine Bowl. So a lot going on. So with that being said, Drew, I'll tee you up. You've been on the road. You've been a road warrior. You've been going af- after it. You've been you know, chugging Celsius. Your biggest takeaway over the last three weeks when it comes to these postseason All-Star events.
2: Well, I, got, I wrote three of them down. I know you said biggest takeaway, but I'll, I'll go fast on all of them. I think George's defense, I think if we say this every cycle this time of the year, man, this thing is still going to be a lead. Uh, Ellis Robinson talked about him the last time we got together on the show last week. I think he's a guy that has a chance to push for playing time as a true freshman. But these other Georgia defenders, whether it was at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio or the Under Armour game in Orlando, I mean, K.J. Bolden, how consistent was he? Uh, shows up a few big hits there inside the Alamo, though. Joseph Jonia Ajanya he's just oozing with upside. Jordan Thomas, how good was he in one-on-ones at the AAB? Chris Cole, Justin Williams. I think Georgia's defense isn't going anywhere. Well, that being said, Cooper, as I've kind of taken a few steps back here and, and go up and down the list of the guys we saw, it feels like parity's kind of at an all time high. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you got two elite talents Williams and Courtney Crutchfield. Both those guys are going to Missouri. Um, you got Charleston Collins going to Arkansas, Deshaun Warner going to Kansas. I think NIL has kind of changed things a little bit in terms of, hey, the top 32 players in the country, the top 64 players in the country, they're not all, not all going to Alabama and Georgia. It seems like with uh, you know your ability to pay players over the table, some of these programs can kind of zero in on their guys and ensure that they get a star. So with the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, I think – you know, maybe we could see some some fresh faces. And obviously, you know, the transfer portal is going to play a large part in that. But that was something else I was thinking on. And then and finally, on the on the money front, Cooper, I mean, we saw kids at check-in wearing Rolex watches. I don't know if they're real. I asked, and they said, of course they are. We saw some agents at these uh, All-Star games in the hotels. And we're talking like NFL agents. And then finally, you know, some some companies looking to make deals with these athletes. Like, that stuff is real. And having gone to these games, you know, over the past eight years, that was never the case. So it certainly felt a little different in San Antonio and Orlando. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I mean,
1: now more than ever, you know, you over time, I think in the personnel world, you kind of cross paths with some of these guys in the agency side. Some work with coaches, some work with players. They are getting more and more aggressive via high school, right? And I think you and I have a story. Uh, just seeing those guys around and they're asking you questions. Hey, what do you think about this guy versus uh, player Y? It's fascinating. We're talking about guys that haven't taken collegiate snaps yet with legitimate six-figure potential deals on the table, and there's money to be made not only for these players at the next level but for uh, agents as well alike. So I think everything you see with the financials, uh, if if it sounds crazy – And you don't think it's legit, it's very legit. That is what's running college football and it's starting to drip into the high school uh, level more than ever as we're starting to see that as well. Drew, for me, pretty simple takeaway, right? We wanted to figure out how do we stack these receivers at the end of the day? And I think the great part for us is We were going to get to see the number one player in the country at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. But what about behind him, right? What about Cameron Coleman? When you go down the list, what about Ryan Wingo? What about Ryan Williams, Gatlin Bear? Where does he fit in to this situation? Over the last two and a half weeks, we have gotten to see 19 of the top 20 receivers in the country per 24-7 sports. That exposure for us is absolute gold. When you're trying to figure out, hey, what do we do? with a late riser like T.J. Moore. We're going to talk about him here in a second. But he had an incredible week in San Antonio. He caps it off with a unbelievable game on Saturday. What do you do with that guy and where he fits in? I think you and I had the conversation of, hey, well, we got some context. We just got to see 19 of the top 20 receivers in the country. That's the blessing. That is the part of this three weeks of travel you look at and say, hey, we're fortunate. We can look at our board, and it's not just tapes tape it's not just supplementary data points it's the live exposure that really kind of helps kind of separate these guys at the end of the day
2: yeah and the fact I mean I know it's one-on-ones but it's padded one-on-ones and they're going up against essentially the top defensive backs in the country you can see who's fighting to take the reps you can see who's creating separation Cooper I think it's it's certainly unique and we used to get it kind of with the opening finals back during the summer months that's out the window so really like you said, this is the opportunity for us. I mean, Jeremiah Smith, how about him? Uh, Cam Coleman in that discussion as well. Excellent weeks. You brought up TJ Moore. I think you can bring up Jordan Ship, the North Carolina commit, as well. We've said it. The strength of this class is the pass catchers. You can throw some tight ends in the mix, but um, that was for sure the case coming out of, again, the All-American Bowl and Under Armour game, just, just those wide receivers. We talked a lot about uh... – the
1: Under Armour All-America game last week. And if you're looking for that video, some takeaways, we filmed that from the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio. Pretty fun doing that in the press box. So make sure you can find that on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel under podcast for that breakdown. We're going to work on the All-American Bowl a little bit. We're going to make sure we touch that up and give you a nice breakdown there. Drew, no shortage of options. There are a lot of players that kind of burst on in the scene in San Antonio that kind of made you look twice throughout the week. But in your case, who's a guy that made the most money in terms of the biggest riser with the final rankings coming up here in a couple of weeks?
2: I think Nate Frazier, uh, Georgia running back signee. I said it day one of practices, whoa, this guy's got juice, and he was just running a route. We knew Nate Frazier could go, uh, but we wanted to get some verified measurements on him. Comes in at just over five foot nine, 200 pounds, and then in the game on Saturday, 49 yard touchdown catch, led leading rusher, six carries for 32 yards. I think his short area quickness, the combination of that, his contact balance, it really, really stood out to me. Nate Frazier, RB9 right now. I think there's a chance, you know, as we look when we start to finalize these rankings, he could be RB three, RB two. He's definitely a guy that moves up the board. And remember, Georgia signed. Three running backs. We got two of them in San Antonio: Chauncey Bowens, Nate Frazier, and then Dwight Phillips is the other guy. Uh, I think it's clear cut. He's he's the future of Georgia's backfield. Comes from Day High School. Uh, only just uh, just under 600 yards as a senior through 10 games, average about six yards a carry. Um, so the, I think the good news, not you know, still a ton of mileage and, and tread on those tires. I thought he was impressive, Cooper. I'm not sure if you agree. Absolutely. You know, our our staff, uh,
1: you know, led by you wrote the the article about the superlatives, right, who kind of had the most quiet, dominant week. I thought that was Nate Frazier. I mean, every time you saw him, it felt like an explosive play. It wasn't a really uh, a ground game uh, on Saturday, but every time you kind of looked up, Nate Fraser was making a play, called the wheel route out of the backfield on the first drive for the West squad from Walker White. I think the receiving ability, I think the three down capability, you add what he can do in the return game as well. Drew, here's the other plus about Nate Frazier that you don't think about a lot. He was splitting reps with Jordan Davidson at modern day, right? A twenty twenty-five and a very talented back himself, but there's not a lot of tread on those tires for Nate Frazier. So Georgia, I think they're getting a guy that's gonna be day one ready to play in the SEC. How many times have we said that? Nate Frazier, he's kinda of hell on wheels. I love the way he plays, fits the identity of what running back coach Dell McGee wants to do there. Drew, I brought him up earlier in the show, and you know we're going to talk about him over the next week anytime we're asked about the All-American Bowl. How about T.J. Moore, a guy that you were very familiar with out of the Tampa area? He checks in a little bit taller and a little bit bigger than we expected, 6'3", 195 pounds. That was the first exposure that you were like – Okay, all right, maybe this guy's got a little bit more to him. Then we get out on the practice field. You see a lot of highlights like this. He's making the difficult look rather routine and pretty, pretty effortless as well. Drew, I loved everything about him. I thought he had the most complete week of any prospect in attendance. He followed that up by going for over 165 yards, receiving on the game on Saturday, two touchdowns as well. Our boy, Cory Parrish, takes home MVP honors. But guess what? If you flip the script and that's a win for the East, I think that's TJ Moore coming home with it. And in a year, just absolutely load it with receivers. This guy made a huge statement to say, Hey, I'm one of the best in the country.
2: Yeah. I think he benefited a little bit in that game playing opposite of Jeremiah Smith, our top ranked. Uh, receiver caught 10 passes, like you said, two touchdowns, also threw a pass. T.J. Moore, man, re the senior tape. Cooper, I think the best thing about him is how he tracks that football. He can gear up, gear down, and he's someone where there really isn't a ton of verified data on him prior to coming into this all-star setting. We know he was a 6'3", uh, high jumper, 11 3 in the 100-meter dash, but, man, The tape speaks for itself. Average over 24 yards per catch as a senior there at Tampa Catholic. We keep saying it, Clemson, these young guys are gonna have to play. I think TJ Moore is someone that can come in and make a splash right away in the ACC. You know, Bryant Wesco, a current five-star wide receiver for us, he's also signed with Clemson. It was just interesting to see Wesco in Orlando, and then you show up in San Antonio, you see TJ Moore kind of gets you recalibrating how maybe you would stack those two in terms of what we saw what they did on the field as seniors are both really talented prospects but I thought it was a a money making week for TJ Moore and his camp has let us know they're uh, all up in our social media platforms asking about a potential fifth star.
1: Jason Minix, who I do the radio broadcast with for Sirius XM for the game, I said, TJ Moore has probably made the most money. He said, What do you what do you mean by that? Made the most money this week. He said, is that an NIL standpoint? And I said, it really wasn't. I didn't mean to say it that way. Probably in a ranking standpoint. But you know what, depending on how the rankings shake out, he could maybe get some money. So we'll see what happens with TJ Moore, super talented receiver heading to Clemson. If you're a Clemson fan, holy smokes, you got a good one coming your way. All right, Drew, my favorite one, our superlative for the Oyster Boys. How about this? Mr. All Oyster Boys, our first time ever doing this. And I think we got to start this by saying, who is our Mr. All Oyster Boys in 2023? No other than Caleb Downs. So Caleb Downs, a little golf clap for you. You might be wondering, what is a Mr. All Oyster Boys? Mr. All Oyster Boys is a concoction of a lot of different things. Guys that are going to play early, have an immediate impact, probably a guy that's going to pop up on your week-to-week PFF list as well. Think Caleb Downs, Reuben Bain, guys like that. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that immediate return on investment. So without further ado, Drew, who is your pick for Mr. All Oyster Boys next year?
2: well this is a layup but how about jeremiah smith and i said this on wasn't this show but i think we did something for the 24 7 sports network at some point during the week and i'll be honest you know i i was having nightmares about jeremiah smith and, and his number one ranking all right i'm are we are we sure he's the guy and it sounds silly to say it uh, but then you see him at the joint practice for the All-American Bowl. You see him in the game. He opens up the scoring with a touchdown, only two catches. Uh, I think the West did an excellent job of, of trying to bracket Jeremiah Smith. But I think he's as good as advertised, Cooper. I think if you know we were to choose a guy right in our rankings that we think, all right, for sure, this is the guy we feel confident is going to be a top 10 pick in the nfl draft and it's absolutely jeremiah smith and they're going to need some guys to catch passes in in 2024 as as wild as that sounds um there in columbus you know have lost some individuals to the transfer portal in comes uh a new quarterback i think jeremiah smith's a guy that we're going to see on the field right away uh, and I think you would agree with me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember, what was it? Was it Wednesday or Thursday?
1: I think you and I were just kind of sitting there having our drinks. And you're like, hey, man, I don't know. I appreciate you being vulnerable with me in that moment here on the show as well. Drew, if it makes you feel any better as one of your closest friends and colleagues, no doubts about Jeremiah Smith. He showed up, and that was really kind of the first time that I got to be around him, kind of feel his presence a little bit. Not only did he check in just a shade under 6'3", 215 pounds, it's so rare to see somebody with that type of maturity at that age. Everything about him is very workmanlike. It's very professional. I feel like there's a standard in that Ohio State receiver room in terms of the expectation of what type of individual you're going to get, even outside the player. That's what that's what I saw in Jeremiah Smith. And then you see this guy. There's no better-looking receiver in the country than him, you mentioned the 110 meter, uh, 400 meter hurdles as well. The two toughest events, state champ in that. The production at Shawanah Madonna, you have seen it for a long time. I think that's just a a human being trait to to say, hey, do I have this guy right? Because you know him better than anybody as well. I thought he absolutely aced the eye test. I think he was a little frustrated on Saturday, which happens. All star game, we'll kind of pump the brakes there. But love Jeremiah Smith. Love what Ohio State's getting. Drew, I'll say it. I think he's going to be one of the best in the country at his position from day one. So I love that pick. I'm going to stick with the receivers, which seems to be the theme of the show. I'm going to go with Cam Coleman, and a, <laughs> another guy that I've gotten uh, pretty acclimated with throughout the evaluation process. We kind of put him in that developmental rare trait uh, category, and we kind of put him off to the side. And we said, we'll put him in that bucket. And we know this guy's different, and he can run, and he can jump, and he can do all these different things. He went from, hey, we know this guy's going to be a dude at some point in my mind to this guy's going to be a dude right away after we saw him in Orlando. Drew, it was him and Ellis Robinson, I think the two best players in attendance at the Under Armour All-America game going at it with each other. and. I'll tell you what, man, just the physical traits that Cam Coleman is dripping of. You see the speed. You see the acceleration. You see the explosion. I think he's the best 50-50 pass catcher in the land, maybe outside of Jeremiah Smith. He's got the run after catch as well. We talk about it all the time. What do we talk about? Ascending players, right? Guys that are playing their best football before they head off to college. That's Cam Coleman. That's what he's been doing. He doubled his production as a senior at Central Phoenix a guy that's played really well. Every time we've seen him, he has just seemed to improve. And, Drew, you look at uh, Auburn and their situation as well. They need pass catchers. They're getting a lot. Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson was also there in Orlando, the five-star. And then you think about Bryce Kane and Malcolm Simmons. Cam Coleman's a guy that I come back to and say, all right, this guy can change the complexion of Auburn's offense from day one. I loved what I saw out of him. I don't know if you feel the same way, but – I think we both know that guy's pretty different.
2: Yeah, you know what I was I was thinking about? So we both picked receivers. We we keep talking about receivers here. And let's put, you know, a, a GM hat on, right? Let's say we were to select from, you know, this pool of players, me and you had a top ten pick. I think if you were looking for a guy to make an impact right away, you would select one of these guys. If you wanted the best player available that's gonna make you better next season, it's gonna be a Cam Coleman. It's gonna be A Jeremiah Smith and uh, that's the strength of the class and even though it's so top heavy I I feel confident they would be you know the first individuals off the board I I I agree I I think Cam Coleman there on the planes we have continued to say it I think we said it last show we've written about it it's been a while since uh, Auburn had a thousand yard receiver I think the safe money is on Cam Coleman bucking that trend
1: best part about those two they're they are still puppies like you see Jeremiah Smith and you see cam Coleman and I'm like and Jeremiah Smith 215 pounds this guy's probably going to play comfortably at 225 plus at the next level I, right he, he
2: still I, got room I, to grow I was shocked he was 214. I thought that was a, a glitch on the spreadsheet yeah I I, I, got- I I couldn't believe that Wingo I
1: think hovering around 210 pounds as well heading to Texas so these guys, man, just freak of natures, especially at the receiver position, certainly spoiled this year. Guys, I talked about the Oyster Boys on Tuesday and Wednesday. What are you doing Monday and Thursday? How about Monday? How about the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Show with Emily Proud and Blair Angulo. Excuse me. They do a heck of a job. 5 o'clock Eastern Time. That is live on Mondays. You can also catch the Transfer Portal Show live on Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. We got it all for you right here on 24-7 Sports. Drew, the, the great thing uh, about postseason events is that that doubt, maybe, maybe there's a better term, but that little bit of like uh, space in your head that says, I, I don't know, I don't know, I, I got to go back, I got to watch a, another three-game cut-up, I, I don't know, I got to go back, I got to go see this guy in person live again. All that gets put to rest with the rankings coming up in a couple of weeks. And now we get to go back to the drawing boards. We get to reshuffle the board a little bit. We get to put the cherry on top and then away we go to 2025. God bless us, right? So here we are. I love this question. One or two guys that you walk away from this event and then you say, you know what? I I can't wait to see what this guy does because I got to get this guy figured out. But who's a guy or two that you walked away from Orlando, San Antonio, who said, I'm more convicted on this dude than ever. I know I liked him, but after seeing what I saw, I'm stamping him.
2: Yeah, I think I approach this a little bit different, more so it's all right, I'm pounding my chest because I I knew I was right, my hunch was right. (laughs) And it starts with Zabian Brown, right? I I think I've said it for, we're coming up on on 12 months. I think he is one of the top corners in the country. I think he's a five-star uh, I've had a lot of people push back on that. Xavier Brown in San Antonio was one of the only guys that could slow down Jeremiah Smith. I know he got beat for the touchdown. It was a little weird, almost kind of like a rub route. But outside of that, he had two PBU's. Um, he's playing his best football right now. Final five games at Matter Day, three interceptions, five PBU's. Uh, I made and Xavier Brown was a late arrival to the All American Bowl. So as soon as he showed up. I pulled him into the 24-7 sports room because I wanted to get some measurements on him. Just over six foot, more importantly, 32-1-8 arms. He's got the length. I am all in on Zabian Brown. We'll see where it happens, but I think he could be cornerback three for us. And then, Cooper, the other one, another defensive back, Coy Parrish, <laughs> out of Minnesota, MVP. Uh, Coy was the one of the last invites to the All-American Bowl. When I took over on the selection committee, you know, We had some opt-outs. They were looking for a new DB. I said Eric Richards, who does an excellent job there for the AAB. Let's get Coy in the game. Comes from Esco, Minnesota, a town of just 2,000 people. Coy was on my freaks list. He's an exceptional athlete. He ends up winning MVP. You just saw it, that freaky interception. Had a pass breakup blocked a punt, recovered the punt to set up a touchdown. Also had a few big hits, including one of them on special teams. I had a hunch this guy was a top 100 player. Uh, I think I was riding a little solo there after that MVP performance. I think everyone would agree with me. So those are two for me. What about you? I mean, you, you talk about the town of 2000 there in
1: Minnesota, right? And it's two years straight we've seen players that during the week I think we've had some question marks. How are they acclimating? And then when the lights are the brightest, these guys are completely different. The year before, it was Lincoln holes from South Dakota, right? Another multi-sport guy that was really intriguing. We brought into the game late. And then here, it's Coy Parrish. I mean, I kept looking down, Drew. He had the block punt. He had the pick earlier in the game. He had the deflection to save a touchdown as well. He also had a huge hit on a kickoff. He was all over the place. You talk about the versatility and then the guys just throughout the week getting better and better, more and more comfortable in that setting too against the type of talent, speed, and athleticism that they're seeing. Koi Parrish, talk about a guy that's hugely benefited. And I can vouch for Drew. Drew has long been a, a fan of the man that we call Coy Pond or Coy Parrish nowadays in Minnesota, getting a hell of a player there. Drew, for me. I don't know if it's the sexiest name, but how about Jalen Mbakwe, right? And I was really excited for you to get to see Jalen Mbakwe, the number 22 overall prospect in the country and another Alabama defender. But this was a guy, for the last three years, he hasn't played cornerback. He, he hasn't played the position that he's going to play in Tuscaloosa for the next three to four years. I talked to Jalen Mbakwe at Alabama, Mississippi, and Hattiesburg, kind of overheard him talking. He said, I haven't played this position. He comes out. He had a great week. In Hattiesburg at Alabama, Mississippi, he follows it up with another strong performance in Orlando at the Under Armour game, a little bit longer than we thought. We all knew he could run, but Drew, he is sticky, a long reactionary athlete, even though he's under six foot, he's got some length to him as well. And then you talk about a guy that can do so many different things. We loved him on offense. He had to play quarterback this year. He's a do-it-all type of player. And you look at the guys that are so successful early at the next level, it's guys that are three-phase players that check all the boxes in terms of speed, athleticism. There is no questions with Jalen Mbakwe after seeing him live. So I'm buying the stock in Mbakwe. Love him. Probably a guy uh, that you'll see uh, turn a lot of heads once he steps on campus in Tuscaloosa. And Drew, the other guy for me, how about Gatlin Bear, man? I, it, this was a guy that out of Idaho, similar to Coy Parish. I, I, was, I was wondering how he was going to do when you dropped him in uh, in San Antonio to a setting that had some of the best players in the country. And I'll tell you this, it was maybe Wednesday, that joint practice where I walked away and said, okay, Gatlin Bear is one of the best in the country. I don't care where he's from. Might be from a small town in Burley, Idaho. The Bear is what they call him. This dude can absolutely roll. I think the other thing that surprised me was he has such a better grasp of a full run route tree than maybe I thought going into it. You talk about the lateral quickness, uh, the change of direction, the suddenness as well. I think he has to work a little bit at the catch point to become more of a natural uh, pass catcher. But Drew, just the physical traits with Gatlin Bear, the only, I don't even want to call it red flag, but I think the only hiccup in the evaluation process with him, he's going on a mission for two years. What's he going to look like when he comes back? Still uncommitted, uh, but figuring out these receivers, this is a dude that I mean, it's easy, right? It's easy for us to to say this. But 10 out of 10 times, I'm taking a chance on, even with the mission, and say, I got to get this guy in my building.
2: Yeah, I think what's interesting with Coy, right, and and Gatlin, I'm not sure the exact date Gatlin's season ended, but in the future, we need to take into account. Coy told me he hadn't played football in like two months, right? So when we see him day one of practice and he's struggling, you know, he wasn't on one of these teams that played in – for a state title a few weeks ago. I mean, it's been a while. I think there is an adjustment period. Cooper, I'll echo what you said. I didn't really know what to expect. We knew the Burley Bear could roll Idaho state record in a variety of different track events, but man, uh, as a route runner and a guy that, you know, didn't grow up playing seven on seven every weekend, I thought it was impressive how he created separation, got in and out of his breaks, mixing the gears there. I agree, and then Jalen Mbakwe, if he's five foot 11, he's the tallest five foot 11 guy in this class. I said that I check and I was like, there's this guy's, I think I texted you. I'm like, he, he seems tall for someone where, you know, the numbers say he's five eleven. And I agree. What I like about Jalen, not afraid to use the hands. I, th- I think in a good way, I got multiple photos, uh, sitting on the computer of him just tugging away at the Jersey. Uh, hopefully he can, uh, Get away with that in the SEC. Look at it right, just knocking the rust off. So we talked about
1: some players that we liked. How about some uh, teams that we liked? We got to see a lot of guys, like we said, half of the top 247 over the last couple weeks. Drew, any of these, uh, I would say, incoming classes, you kind of put the pieces together from different events and say, wow, they got something there? I'm going to give you two
2: of them. Let's start with Miami in that group of pass rushers you brought up reuben bain a few minutes ago acc defensive rookie of the year well we saw what they got coming behind him justin scott we were flying blind on him he shows up to the all-american Bowl, measures exceptionally well i think he's one of a a rare body type in this class 300 pounder that can play multiple spots up front he was better than expected. I'm going to be Cooper honest there, Cooper, on Justin Scott. But I think the real story is here, Marquise Lightfoot and Booker Pickett. I thought Lightfoot had the best first step in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. And I think Pickett had the best first step at the Under Armour All-American game in Orlando Pickett had two sacks uh, in the UA game a few more pressures I think he also had a forced fumble Lightfoot also all week in San Antonio just getting after the quarterback now I think both these guys you know have not not deficiencies but they're built a little a little odd right I think Lightfoot's skinny uh, around the waist but man 35 inch arms he was dinged up as a senior came back. I think you you look at Jason Taylor, what they were able to do again with Ruben Bain as a freshman. I think Marquis Lightfoot is going to be one of the top pass rushers in the ACC in years to come. Booker Pickett, on the other hand, you know, 6'3, 205 pounds. I thought he was a little built built a little bit better. Impressive, impressive week for him. His ability to bend uh, and get after the quarterback. And it makes sense. You know, he's had an over 66 sacks the past four years. So like those guys and then with Notre Dame, just the premium talent, Cooper, we always we always get asked about it. Hey, how does Notre Dame take that next step forward? College football playoff expanding to 12 teams. I think two of the guys we saw in San Antonio, Bryce Young, uh, the defensive lineman, son of the NFL Hall of Famer, stock up for him, Cooper. And I just looked this up before we got on the show. You know, he doesn't turn 18 years old. Uh, for a few more a few more months, he is just a puppy. I thought it was a really good week for him. And then Kingston, Biamu Asa. I think I got that right. The linebacker at a St. John Bosco, Violent player. Uh, I thought the instincts for a guy his size showed up all week in San Antonio. Really like those two. And I think those guys can be foundational pieces for the Irish on defense over the next few years.
1: I'm glad you brought up Notre Dame. And I'm glad you brought up Miami as well. But Notre Dame, to me... You know, you and I get asked that question a lot. What do they need to do? How do they take that next step? And I think with the 12-team uh, playoff here, rounded into form in 2024, Drew, I, I, I think continuity, right? Just keep doing what you're doing. Love Bryce Young. You talk about the developmental upside. You also talk about the genes there with his dad being an NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, he had a great week. And Billy Amuasa is a guy that I really want to touch on. I mean, you talk about guys that play the position the right way. And we always talk about what's it supposed to look look like at linebacker. It's so easy to get lost in the sauce at receiver and corner and all these different skill positions and, and edge rusher and they're projectable positions, quanti- quantifiable projections where we can say, "Hey, I like Marquise Lightfoot because he's he's got a great first step and he's got 35 inch arms," and that is the truth. At linebacker, there is some subjective feel instinct that is really important. That is hard to quantify, right? It's hard to put a, a numeric value on that. Kingston Billyamuasa, he has that. His feel for the game and his instincts are absolutely rare. He plays as fast as he processes. That is so hard to find. You usually find it at the mid-skill positions. And it is such a separator for running backs, tight ends, linebackers as well. And Drew, I think you and I talked about it. It's hard to see what these guys are made of when they're not in a full 100% 11-on-11 11 11 environment, right? And the mid-skill guys are the hardest typically to evaluate when they're in this kind of three-quarters tempo type of setting. Billy Amuasa, Nate Fraser, a handful of other guys, those guys answered the bell, and I thought those two, running back, linebacker, were the best, not because of so much of what they have in their body, but their feel for the game is just different. And you can tell by the way that they play. And then Miami, Drew, I mean, you brought it up. Like, uh, the pass rushers, what they're doing on that defensive line. You add in Justin Scott to a guy like Reuben Bain. Armando Blunt coming in there as well. Marquise Lightfoot. Booker Pickett looked a lot better than I think anyone expected. Kane's getting it done. Uh, hats off to Jason Taylor They're doing a tremendous job. Okay, Drew, for me, Auburn, right? This is a team i kind of been banging the drum on, I think, maybe since a day or two before signing day when we came on the show and we're like, all right, who's the team to watch? Well, Auburn finished uh, with a bang, and and we talked about Cam Coleman earlier in the show. I thought Perry Thompson had a solid week, maybe left a little bit to be desired as well, but they're getting a hell of a player with him. How about Amaris Williams, man? Uh, He just kind of had one of those weeks where you're like, all right, we feel pretty confident uh, what Hugh Freeze is getting in this type of guy. And then you, you put the puzzle pieces together, Three-phase player, played running back, plays multiple positions. You see him in the return game as well. Track and field background. Hasn't even been doing it for that long. And another good guy in the shot put that I think threw it over 51 feet. And then you see him in person, and he's exactly what you would expect him to be. Uh, Has the length, young for his age, rocked up, lean frame. I actually think he can play early coming from North Carolina, which is not something you typically expect. But I love Amaris Williams, love what they're getting there. And then Walker White, I'm going to file that one away, put it in my pocket because we're going to talk about him here in a little bit. But Walker White, man, what a great week in San Antonio. And without further ado, Drew, what a transition to the quarterbacks, right? we got to talk about the quarterbacks. I think everybody thought, um, you know, this was going to be a big couple weeks for the arms. That being said, San Antonio, what did we send out? Six invites to the All-American Bowl. And six new faces, right? So those initial six invites that accepted, there were six new guys at the end of the day. So here's a list of the guys from Orlando at the Under Armour All-America game, led by DJ Lagway, Ethan Grunkmeyer, the Penn State signee, and then you see Cedric Bailey, Michael Van Buren, the MVP of that game, and then Dante Reno as well. And then as we head over to the All-American Bowl, Walker White, as we talked about, Damon Williams at Arizona had a really good week. Hoss Haney, Trey Owens, Marcos DeVilla, and Jeremy Hickalinsky. So, drew a lot of names, but let's start at the top. And a guy that we were really, I would say, excited to see in DJ Lagway, the Florida signee. You know, been some questions whether or not he was going to stick with Florida. He sticks with the Gators. It's always funny when you get in this setting. And I think, you know, we talked about these all star games really starting to emulate more of a NFL model. They're almost like what the Pro Bowl is now in the NFL. If you know anything about the Pro Bowl, well it's it's flag football and a lot of uh, you know more media coverage than it is actually these guys in full pads and shorts and shoulders and seeing good on good. So fortunately we we're able to see some of that but the takeaways on DJ lagway drew is I'll, I'll, I'll continue to kind of beat the drum on this. I think 11 on 11 full speed, this guy is a different animal, and there's times that he flashes, but I also think it was a good reminder that hey, it might, it, it's not going to be overnight that this guy is going to step onto the field in Gainesville and completely change the trajectory of this program. I think we know he's fully capable of that, but it's going to take a little bit of patience, and I know that's not what Florida fans want to hear. Still think he can get on the field situationally, and I think he kind of you, you try to get him to that point, but I
2: don't think it's going to be something where. Here
1: are the keys, DJ Lagway. Take us to the promised lane. Well,
2: it's unfortunate he got hurt in the, what, second quarter of the Under Armour game. Only got to throw 10 passes. We saw what I thought one flash of him running the football, and I think that is really what makes him the difference maker and why we are so excited about DJ Lagway and his ceiling. Look at the guys that are making plays uh, in the college football playoff and, and are making them, you know, in the upcoming wildcard weekend. There are these mobile quarterbacks that – aren't going to fall down the first time they are touched in the pocket dj lagway when he checked into the under armor game guy next to me confused him for a front seven defender i mean he is legitimate 6'3, 225 pounds i went through uh my personal rolodex in my head uh, and then i went through some rosters i think he is the biggest quarterback ever at the Under Armour game since I've been covering it, uh, and maybe really since Justin Fields, who did not participate due to injury, but he was there hanging out all week. I mean, this guy has the frame. You know, read some other people's practice reports, people kind of knocking the arm we gave him our award for the biggest arm out there and that's because you know he's an upper body thrower that can get it around the field Uh, gatorade player of the year that was announced a few days ago cooper he had a heck of a senior season i'm still a believer in dj lagway wish we had seen a little bit more unfortunate that he rolled up that ankle but for me i mean he passed the test he was what i thought he would be in terms of still got to keep progressing a little bit you know mechanics might turn some off but man combination of the arm the legs and the frame
1: uh it's all there our friend uh tom Luganville i thought had the best player comp for dj lagway yet that was dante culpepper so he went back and i and you know i, I brought up cam ward in the past maybe a bigger physical and you said it i mean i got eyes on lagway i'm like i was this guy not a linebacker you know he's out there <laughs> upper body thrower explosive arm Drew, I think we saw a little bit of it on the first drive, kind of what he's capable of with his legs. It's going to be part of his game. And the good thing about Lagway is he can lean on the legs a little bit. We saw this with Jaden Daniels early in his career, a guy that was super dynamic as a runner. He's not a Jaden Daniels type of runner. But as you have the legs, which is so much natural part of his skill set, the other part of his game can continue to develop. And that's going to be Billy Napier's job to get him to continue to ascend as a passer. And Drew, I – I talked about feel with the, with Billy Amuasa and Nate Frazier. I think Lagway has that. And that's almost something like that is going to continue to develop as he gets more and more reps. So certainly an exciting prospect. Now let's transition to San Antonio hodgepodge of quarterbacks, man. We had three guys <laughs> under six foot, uh, got a little bit of everything there, but let's start with Walker white, the Auburn signee. We talked about him. This is a guy that I think you and I have both had our eyes on for a long time out of little rock, Arkansas, Uh, a guy that has continued to improve his accuracy as a passer, I think up nine percentage points in his completion rating as a senior, which was encouraging and something we wanted to see. Drew, you get around him, uh, the player comparison has long been Will Levis, 6'4", 222 pounds, only three pounds separate the two. Obviously, Will Levis is in the NFL right now. Those numbers were from the scouting combine, but he's as good-looking physically of a quarterback as you'll see. There are no question marks about the arm. I mean, you want to talk about NFL arm. We, in, in the stats from the game, were a little bit misleading. You know, I had Gatlin Bear hit him in the chest, had another one uh, on the outside that he threw from the far hash to the bottom of the numbers. You got to see a little bit of everything. Good athlete, I would say adequate to above average as a runner in space, uh, but something that is definitely uh, you shouldn't just gloss over as well. But I loved what we saw from him. We talked about the receivers. Hugh Freeze is bringing in. How about Walker White, man? I think, you know, it's going to be like a fine wine maybe two to three years from now. We we look forward and say, all right, they got something with this dude.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a slow burn with Walker White. But, man, some of those throws he made in practice, and then you saw it in that clip, right, when he hit Nate Frazier down the sidelines. I think his ability to put it on a dot to the outside 10 to 15 yards between the numbers and the sidelines. He's making throws that other guys in this class can't. I thought you saw that on his senior tape. And then we come to San Antonio and it keeps showing up again and again in practice. He has an NFL arm, Cooper. I don't know if he's ever gonna be you know, a 70% passer. I just don't think that is his game. He's someone that's gonna take the shots. Uh, And then, you know, run the football. We saw him, I think he got four carries, you know, not as elusive as a DJ Lagway, but he can move the chains and he can move tacklers with him. You know, if they, if they drape all over him, I thought it was an excellent week for Walker white, Eric Richards, uh, again, director uh, for the all American bowl. He texted me after day one. Okay. You know, I was, I was kind of skeptical on Walker, but good job getting him in this game. No, it it was, it was excellent. Walker white Cooper. And I, I think, you know, the Will Levis comp you threw out a few months ago, there was a lot of pushback. Uh, but I think I think Auburn fans would be happy there. And you should view him as the quarterback of the future there on the Plains. All right. Outside
1: of Walker White, we talked about those quarterbacks that were sub six foot, six foot, excuse me, Demon Williams being one of them, Hoss Haney being another. Let's, let's talk about Demon Williams, man. I mean, you talk about a gamer. There was really nothing during the week that said, all right, I, I kind of see it with Demon Williams. But then you kind of look at DeMond Williams, where he's going play his football for Jed Fish. And then you look at the success that offense has had under Jed Fish and Noah Fafita, who took over for Jaden Delora earlier in the season. I don't think there is a better place in the country for DeMond Williams to go than to Tucson, Arizona to play his ball for Jed Fish. And, Here's the thing. I mean, it, you look at the similarities between him and Noah Fafita. You think about the suddenness, the athleticism within the pocket. We saw him get loose a couple times, scramble for that touchdown late in the second half of the game on Saturday. Drew, the other thing with him, I, I think you can kind of feel pretty comfortable on giving him the gamer tag, right? I mean, just the flow of the game. They move him outside the pocket. Things start to speed up a little bit. He took a hit on third and 18 that he delivered to TJ Moore a dime. I mean, he's got some like stuff in his neck. He's got a little bit of resolve. Projecting the Sundays, big question mark. The size is a huge issue. I think he came in at 5'9". Saturdays, Arizona's getting a hell of a player, and the Wildcats and their fan base should be very, very excited about how he
2: fits in with Jed Fish in the big picture. Are you getting the NCAA 25 video game? Because I think... I think Arizona is going to be a team to play with. I don't know how he didn't win MVP. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a Coy Parish guy. And to be clear, I didn't have an MVP MVP vote. I don't think anyone at 24-7 Sports did. We did not select it. Uh, But DeMond, two touchdown passes. He also had that rushing touchdown pass. Uh, You've said it, Cooper. And I think something that we haven't talked about enough with DeMond Williams is he beat Dylan Rayola twice as a junior. Uh, He also, I believe, beat Malachi Nelson. This guy is good under pressure, uh, under the lights. His ability to, I don't know, run around, reverse field, circle around is one of one in this class at the quarterback position. Yes, he's on the smaller side, but I think you're gonna be watching, I don't know what the big 12 media deals are in the coming years, is it ESPN, is it Fox? I I have no idea, but you're gonna be watching some of these games and he's gonna be in there and you're gonna be like, okay, this guy is fun. I think we gave him the Mr. Electric uh, award for the week. I'm fired up to see him like as a college football fan, he's good for the sport. Um, And he was one of the last invites and you know, Arizona, there's some people that were pushing to get him in the game. We landed at San Antonio's airport. We are at baggage claim and Arizona football, you know, is advertising there in San Antonio. Remember they had just won the Alamo Dome. So I don't know, Arizona, it's an exciting time. I think if you're a Wildcat fan, it's so important. You know, we, we continue to talk about these
1: all-star games and a lot of opt-outs and guys enrolling early to join their programs to practice and I get it. It's a great opportunity I understand why you would do that, but it it provides opportunities for guys like Damon Williams and Walker White that, let's be frank, they were not the first calls to be invited to these games, and now you see these players in a completely different setting that you have never seen them before in. And guys like Walker White, uh, guys like Damon Williams – have risen to the occasion and they've cashed in and and that's going to suit those guys going forward, whether it's in the rankings or whether it's just the experience to play against that type of speed and that type of athleticism in that setting. So Drew, the last one here that I highlighted, don't know if you saw it, Marcos Tavia heading to Purdue. I was kind of like, man, this guy's like sneaky Graham Harrell fit, like big pocket passer guy that can facilitate. I thought he had a really good session seven on seven, Uh, And also the team period, I think later in the week, did some really nice things. And you see the arm strength can do a little bit of everything up and down. I think he's going to have to work on his consistency. But you talk about like the developmental upside. And then we've talked a lot about the fit with Damon Williams, about the fit with Marcos DeVia and Graham Harrell. I'm like, wow, this guy looks like Graham Harrell at Texas Tech all those years ago under Mike Leach. And for what they want to do, I think he fits in nicely over there in West Lafayette.
2: Yeah, hey, he what, like two hundred and thirty-five pounds Sweet or something. Two thirty-nine. Yeah, we had we had three guys under five eleven, and you know some heavy, heavy individuals. I, I I think if you're looking for a you're a Big Ten fan out there, right, and you're you're gonna hate a quarterback in the league, someone that's gonna provide a ton of upsets at some point uh, in the years to come. Keep an eye on Marcos. Now you're right; he does throw a lot of interceptions. Senior season got off to a bit of a rough start but he's a gunslinger uh at baseball background i think it shows up i mean live arm can do the off-platform stuff multiple angles um I, I i can't wait to see him at purdue and you know with how this bowl season went cooper you know how many how many true freshman quarterbacks ended up having to having to play like i i think we could see marcos on the field at some point in 2024 and i think if you're purdue like you got to take this guy, yes, man. You got to coach him between the ears and and get him to cut down on mistakes. But uh, he is the quarterback of the future there, and and West Lafayette. How about
1: Ryan Walters, man, doing some sneaky, sneaky good things. Not only high school recruiting, but the transfer portal as well. Drew, before we get out of here, we've tackled a lot. We've talked about biggest risers. We've talked about quarterbacks. We've talked about glasses we've loved. We've talked about the national championship. All the all that type of stuff. But I know you. I know you got a lot in that head. A lot of information in the information bank over the last couple of weeks. Is there a player? Is there a thought? Is there something out there that you say, "Hey, I wish I got that on the show?" Guess what I'm saying? Here's your opportunity. Maybe
2: something you want to get out there with your final thought. Oh, you're talking about it when we brought up Jeremiah Smith. You know, Jeremiah Smith did not have to play in this game. He did not. He's a guy that has been to everything throughout the process. Remember, he was at the Elite 11 finals catching passes day one, and it was kind of like, why? He's been at every seven-on-seven tournament. He has done it all. Uh, and it was Saturday night uh, after things had wrapped up, bumped into him at the hotel with his camp. And I was just talking. I said, Jeremiah, man, hey, really appreciate you you know, coming out and playing. And I don't know who it was that was standing next to him. And they're like, why wouldn't Jeremiah Smith play in this game? He's one of the most loyal kids there is. Uh, he he was always going to play, and you know that kind of got my mind going back to him sticking with Ohio State. Right? He was committed for over a year. Florida State, Florida, Miami, all make those runs, but in the end, it was the Buckeyes that that went out. And uh, I think he's a pro's pro. He's got that mindset. He's he's a quiet individual. Um, but that was something that stood out to me. And then Cooper, we were it was like Sunday morning, 5 a.m. waiting on our Uber. He was going to classes at at Ohio State. He was moving in that Sunday. I mean, he could have said no to this All Star game um, and and got there a few days early, but he decided to play. And to me, that's that that stands out. Yeah, you talk about the the wiring of some of these guys at
1: the top, right? You talk about like Jeremiah Smith and Ellis Robinson, and you get a Cam Coleman. You get to see these guys compete, but the great part about this setting is you get to see them when the cameras are off of them. You get to see kind of like, all right, how does this individual go about their business? And you talked about it earlier, the ever-changing landscape of college football. I, it's very real. There are agents out there, right, throwing around a lot of money, a lot of dollar signs, card companies, all, all this stuff that didn't exist. Think about all the people in the ear of Jeremiah Smith. Think of all the people in the ear of a Ellis Robinson or a Cam Coleman. So for those three guys... And I want to highlight those three guys in particular. Just to go out there and their last chance in high school to play this game and not just show up for the game, but to be the best players consistently throughout the week and do what they've done throughout their whole high school career, kudos to them, man. And and quite honestly, if you're looking for the last indicator in the evaluation process, that's it. I, I want to know what you're going to be like when ESPN isn't filming practice? You know, what, what do you like, right? And in these all-star settings, guess what, man? If a guy gets nicked up or if a guy is bruised or if a guy don't want to play, guess what they can do? They can tap out, and we've seen plenty of those guys, right? So, you know, the last thing for me, and, and, and players might not realize, man, but seeing some of these guys at the top of their game continue to do what they've done over the last three years it's pretty special, right? And, and I think that's the greatest indicator that they can give that those guys are going to be successful at the next level. Guys, we appreciate you joining us as always. Like I said, the Oyster Boys here every Tuesday and Wednesday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show. We go from 2023 to 2024, which means 2024 is almost in the bag, and 2025 is around the corner, and the 2026s are the names you need to know. So, Andrew and I, we will do our best to keep you informed, as always. Guys, for our DOS, our Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins, I'm Cooper Patagna. We'll be back same time tomorrow. See you there.